Too many people taste wine very subjectively. They look at the label or they look at the price straight away before tasting. They've already made their mind that, oh, this is a great wine because it's expensive or the label look great or because they've heard about the producer. It shouldn't be that way. The impartiality and the objectivity of tasting wine is one of the most important aspects of a sommelier today. It's about being and having the freedom to decide on a particular wine with the story behind, again, the story. Today, I'm talking to Miguel Chan, sommelier at the Southern Sun Group in South Africa. So lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Likewise. So, Miguel, so, you're you're in South Africa at Southern Sun. I am with Southern Sun Hotels in South Africa, in Johannesburg, more precisely in Senton, at the Senton oh, Sun Hotel. And that's where I'm sitting here. And Amazing. What a, what a beautiful hotel that is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank wow. you. I look forward to welcome you one day for uh, a stay or a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. Amazing. And it's an open door. And... Uh, Thank you so much. This is amazing. Thank yes. you. Yeah. But I'm so I'm so fascinated by your work as a sommelier. You know, I've spoken to winemakers and I've spoken to many people in different forms of art. And I actually have never realized this, but this form of art is not very well known. We don't uh we don't see it as a form of art necessarily, but it is because it's got a lot to do with your senses and your your taste and also it must be also visually uh that you ha- have this this capability of doing it correct like, like 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 anything else it has to be trained it has to be learned it has to be memorized and it is a means of of art in itself where uh for a sommelier today to be a real sommelier not only takes years of practice years of studies and years of sacrifice also, because our job is not only about pouring, serving wines. There are a whole aspect where it's about biology, it's about chemistry, it's about climate, it's about understanding soil, it's about understanding and reading many languages, because wine are produced in many parts of Europe, we have to understand, as an example, what are the German law, what are the French law, what are the Spanish or Italian law or Portuguese law for that matter. And then when we add the element of the new world, which is California, the whole of Southern Hemisphere, Argentina, uh, Chile, South Africa, obviously, Australia, New Zealand, okay, it's a bit more simplistic in a way that it's mostly in English. And the law is kind of similar in a way that there are a lot of copy-paste among the new world countries, but it's fast-changing where each and every one are adjusting uh, to their own needs, especially as times come, they are making better and better wines, and they are finding new regions, there are developments, and we have to stay on top of it. We have to be informed. And the role of a sommelier is not only about wine, onology, viticulture, and understanding the year of the harvest and the season, the role of the sommelier is far more bigger than that. It has to do with beverages as a whole. It has to do with tea, coffees, uh, spirits, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coffee, as an example, is a very good example. It's a product of fermentation. Coffee beans has to be fermented before it is roasted or else Mm -hmm. there's no flavor. So there are the spirits, there are the white spirits, the brown spirit, there are the grain spirit, there are the grape spirits. Then there are anything in between, which is liqueurs, which is distillates. So it's a fascinating world in itself. And the reason why it can be seen as intimidating and not talk often uh, amongst the public out there is because for a very long time, the, the profession has been confined to fine dining places of the world yeah and in michelin star restaurants in in, in as an example and, and and the world have seen the hospitality industry have seen around the world that there is a need for a specialist in wine a specialist in beverages because then we look at the commercial aspect of it we look at the aspect of 
creating experience, managing the stock, looking at making sure that every aspect of the beverage experience are covered, making sure that we are a support element to the food and beverage team in terms of relaying information, product knowledge, and it makes everyone's job much uh, easier in a way that it upsell. At the end of the day, any business is about making revenue. It's yeah. about making sure the customer are happy, making sure that they all had a great dining experience. And that's where we fit. So in a nutshell, uh, we are constantly learning. The wine world changes all the time. We taste all the time. And it's a big wine world out there. We have the classic region that I mentioned earlier. And we also have new emerging places, places that were not known to grow grapes that are making wines today. We are seeing countries closer to the equator. Uh, Brazil is a very good example. They have a thriving wine industry today. We are seeing places in Asia, like in, in, in Thailand, in Vietnam, there are vineyards being established. There are even far remote, one island in, in, in French Polynesia making wines there in the middle of the Pacific. So it shows you today because of technology, because of information, knowledge, and better know-how, there are lots of possibilities, lots of options to make wine virtually anywhere on the planet. And yeah. we've seen the emergence of China as a wine producing country. We are not talking a lot about it because most of it are consumed in China, but there are all the top French chateaux and and I know and companies they are all investing there, uh, planting vineyards um, high up in the in, in really remote places, and 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 they are producing really exceptional wines, expensive. So it's it's super exciting for anyone going into the profession that yeah. it's 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 huge out there. But you you're talking about China. It's it's not necessarily a country that you would associate wine with. That's the reality. Yes, yeah. they have varieties of grapes that are unique to 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 their part of the world. And obviously, as we know, the shifting of the fine wine market around the world shifted from New York, London to Hong Kong and to Beijing in the last 10 years. Uh, the Chinese are the biggest buyer of fine wines in the world. The, sh the, 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 the top chateaus uh, in Bordeaux, the first graph, the top burgundies, the top champagne, or the great Barolos from Piedmont in Italy. And all these have shown the shift in taste, the shift in, in market, and the shift in power in terms of who has the most money to spend? And and and, and obviously, uh, we've seen how in the last 25 years, the Australians saw the potential of 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 China as 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 a huge market, and they've 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 added a lot of their expertise to the great farmers to that part of the world, and it it certainly paid off over time. And 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 all these are fast tracking how the global map of wine producing region are changing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are seeing the re-emergence of all the vines uh, in South America, in South Africa also. We are seeing yeah. a lot, a lot of drive, a lot of interest, awareness about preserving the heritage of all vines. Uh, all vines not does not necessarily make better wines, but there is an heritage aspect to it. And yes, when the sites are great, there are unique wines that money cannot buy and money cannot uh, fast track enough. It's mm. it's it, it's a product of patience, and 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 all these things make significant changes. And we are living at a time where we are all very lucky on this planet, irrespective of all the challenges around the world. We are living at a time where there are better and better wines being produced. Every single wine producing country around the world are making better wine than they were making 10 years ago. And, and sometimes prices are very good. Sometimes prices are, yes, it, it's up. It's the nature of luxury. It's the nature of prestige. Wine is an investment commodity at the top end. And, and, and we are seeing uh, diners going to a five-star hotel or a good bar or a good restaurant 
they want to spoil themselves. We've seen after COVID how men were dying to spend their money or treat themselves because not knowing when will be the next lockdown and not knowing when they can enjoy life. So we are seeing today uh, a better understanding of fine wines. And that's where our role are because besides being involved with service, we are educators. We help consumer make better choice in wine. We don't tell consumer how to drink wine. It's not our role. Our role is to facilitate, is to guide. It's There is always the back step we call in our profession as a sommelier. As much as we study a lot, we learn a lot, we know a lot about wines and beverages, we still have to stay humble. We are at the service. We are in hospitality. We are not a wine writer where we can take apart a producer or a winemaker and show what our ego is about. No, our role is about we had the subtlety. We it's it's an unwritten code of ethic where we have to behave with grace, with decorum about who we are as a sommeliers and how do we do our job. It's 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 we sell experience. Uh uh, we, we can criticize about the wine, but we criticize about it in private, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. These are things that, it's a very fine line, which can easily be crossed. Yeah, and, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but but it sounds yeah. so much like, you know, I speak to many um, concert pianists and musicians as well, and they say the same thing. It's, and, and I find it also that you have the knowledge, and and it's so important that, as a consumer drinking the wine that we also need to understand a little bit more. And, and I spoke to a winemaker, independent winemaker just the other day. And I asked this question, is it not important that the consumer knows more about the process of wine or the, the, the story behind the wine that it's not this instant. Yes, of course there are very commercial wines, but we have to also start appreciating what goes into the process of of the wines, and especially these independent winemakers who really, um, you know, do it in such a way that it's in such a creative way, or they they are so passionate and and um, dedicated to make this wonderful wine. Certainly, there's what we've seen in the world of late is there are a lot of independent producers, independent winemakers. Uh, I'm sure in your part of the world, we've seen the emergence of uh, minimal intervention wines or natural yeah. wine, which was greatly driven by the Scandinavian countries, Scandinavian fine dining places, where they were looking for wines that were as close to nature as possible, less chemicals, less pesticides, uh, no enzyme, no yeast, no acidification, no tannin added, a natural product. By definition, wine is a natural product. By definition, and uh, the simple definition, it is fermented grape juice. That's how it came along thousands of years ago. However, we've seen like any product on this planet, whenever commercialization have come into practice after World War II. Uh, producers have to find ways to do things differently. They have to find ways to do things quicker. And that's where shortcuts came along. And uh, it's good to see that producers, not only in wine, that's greatly driven by the agricultural side of the vegetables and fruit, where sustainability is important, organically produce uh, fruit and vegetables, are widely accepted today by a large section of consumer that wants a healthier uh, lifestyle. And we are seeing with wine, uh, consumer are conscious what they are drinking. Yes, it is alcohol at the end of the day. And anything that's alcohol related should be in moderation. And in moderation can only be achieved through education. And through education, it goes to your question about how those winemakers goes out there and tell about their craft and tell about how they make wine, make it easier to understand. Because for a long time, wine uh, has been an intimidating subject. Uh, If you walk or you get invited 
by a group of friends or strangers around the table, everyone is talking wine because they know about it and you don't know about it. It is intimidating. You cannot yeah. connect, you cannot talk. Whereas it's not the same when somebody talks about a gin and tonic or somebody talks about a lager or a vodka because the producers of spirit or beers never complicated the matter. Yes, there are a lot of information, but for them, it, they created their craft to be enjoyed. And that's where the wine industry missed uh, it many, many years ago. And they are trying to rectify it in a way that making it sim simpler. And we must find social media today to have simplified in a way the appreciation of wines because we are seeing the millennials using uh, Instagram posting about the bottle of wine that they are having by the beach or by the river or in the forest or at the dinner table. And this is helping to make wines a bit more fun. It should be fun. It is a beverage of the whole to be shared, to be appreciated, to be enjoyed in moderations, and also to be understood that it's it's a grape, but there's many regions. If one loves geography, they will love wine because it helped them want to travel the world. You know, you can travel the world around a table with 10 different countries, 10 different wines. And that's the beauty of the product. Well, I also think, and, and this is after speaking to a few winemakers as well, that the story is almost for me and, the you know, like the label, they all have, if you start asking about what, what is the label? What is the artwork on the label? What does that mean? And they start talking about it. You know, I just, just spoke to um, the winemaker at Justenberg uh, Wines, and he was oh, yeah. telling how one of the, the vineyards was his father's, that he, his father planted. And, and you know, talking about that. And suddenly the wines, you, you get more interested in the wine because there's a story. There's something around it. And it's not just about the wine. So um, do you think this is also something that that new generation uh, wine drinkers would would uh, benefit from, you know, from from this type of way of marketing the wine? Absolutely, Petra. And Eustenberg is one of the driving force on that pocket of Paul there. They're virtually organic. They are making cracker wine. And uh, wine is about is storytelling. It's about transporting the consumer, the taster, whoever is in the audience to a place. And by telling the story, it goes back to what I was mentioning earlier about all vines. There is the heritage aspect. Here you have the next generation, as you mentioned, talking about a block of vineyard that were planted by their forefathers and long gone out of this planet. But there is a heritage aspect. The vines are still alive to say, hey, this was planted by my granddad. This was planted by my father. And if we look after the soil, we look after the health of the vines, they will be around for the next generation. They are drinking a product that is made from something that you cannot buy anywhere else. The story itself is what makes the beverages or the appreciation of wines unique. And that's something that we don't talk enough because no one really looked at it before. How do we tell story? Because too long and for too many years, it was driven by marketing people. It was driven in such a way that wine was simply a fast-moving consumer goods. And we eliminated the aspect of telling the story because there was no story. Yeah. There was a time when the supermarket start controlling the purchase of wine and the grapes will come from everywhere. It will come from many regions. And this has been all over the world, not only in the new world, even in many parts of Europe where grapes were sourced with, through so many vineyards and there was no story to tell anymore. It was simply a white red rosé sparkling or fortified wines because they have to fill in the shelves in the supermarket. Then comes the independent producer. Then comes the natural winemaker. Then comes the fine dining aspect. Then come us. So early is where we realize, hold on, we cannot be selling a supermarket wine as much as probably it's the only 
any brand or product that the consumer may know when they sit at the dining table, they say, okay, where are the wines that they buy in the supermarket? But then we cannot create an experience if we are going to sell the same product that are five times cheaper on a, on a supermarket yeah. shelf. So it's that's where the point of differentiation came along. Uh, grew, I would say around 15, 12, 15 years ago, where we realized uh, as a community of sommeliers, how do we do things differently? How do we do things in a subtle way? And how do we look at the storytelling? How do we find the little gems of a winemaker making on the side a thousand bottles of something very special that will never ever be seen in a supermarket. It might be present in an exclusive wine shop. It might be present through the wine clubs and through fine dining on selected wine lists, depending on the food concept. So these are things that add a lot to the appreciation, education, and also understanding how beautiful it is out there. Uh, when one recognizes the little gems and the storytelling. It's about the originality of the story. It's not just saying things because it is a story, but a story about a wine, it needs to be backed up. It needs to have the evidence. Yes, this block of vineyard were planted 1900. It's nearly 110 years old. Imagine you're drinking a wine produced from a 100-year-old vineyard. How different the world was back then. What yeah. were our grandparents doing? And maybe we ask ourselves the question, ah, they were 15 years old, they were 20 years old, maybe they were dating. Uh, these are things yeah. that, you know, it was a totally different type, a way of living. Yeah. And yet we today, we can say we are lucky or have the privilege to taste wines being produced from those blocks. And, and, and that's what makes it special and makes our job exciting on sommeliers is to find those gems. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated by the old vine project in South Africa. I just think it's amazing. And, and you know, that, that we should be more aware of that and drink it as what it is, you know, that it's, that it's that type of, like you say, there's a history in this, in this bottle but yeah, but yeah. Miguel, I want to ask you now your story because how did you become a, a sommelier? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a uh, thank you, Petra. Oh, what happened here? Uh, did, okay, something happened. Yeah. All right, now I'm back. Uh, yeah. So my story started uh, back in Mauritius. I'm originally from Mauritius. I was grow. I was brought up in a family of both my grandfather and my dad were successful chef. So from an wow. early age, I was exposed to the world of restaurants and hotels and kitchen. And cooking was always part of, of upbringing. And obviously being Mauritian, uh, we have different influence of cultures from all over the world because we are in the middle of nowhere in the, in the Indian Ocean. And uh, my grandmother from my dad's side she loved her wine and only on Sundays, Sunday lunch and in Sunday afternoon, they will play Lotto and there will always be French wine on the table. It will be either a Beaujolais or a Chateauneuf-du-Pape. And these were the red wine. I remember as young as I was five, six years old and being kids, I wanted to be amongst the adult. And what she would do, she would give me just a little bit of red wine in a glass and fill up with water. And obviously, there's no alcohol to taste, but then yeah, it yeah. and 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 after that, I went into uh, to hotel school uh, after college. Uh, I first I wanted to be a chef, and then I changed my mind as I went through my training. I was like, okay, I want to be a food and beverage manager, uh, and obviously do my careers in hotels. And uh, in those days, we're talking of the mid nineties. There was not really the role of sommelier on the island. We started having the first French sommeliers working into the fine dining, the top end five-star resorts. And I look at it as like, okay, this is different. This is something that I can see myself doing. And when I was 20, in the middle of my studies, I came to South Africa for a week. And at that age of 20 years old, 
for the first time in my life, I saw vineyard as I was driving out of Cape Town Airport going towards Franschhoek. And I said to myself, wow, this is fascinating. Looking at the vineyard, it was the catalyst. And mm. since then, I never looked back. I put my head down. I was like, yes, I may be an FMB manager one day. We need the backup of understanding food and beverage, but wine is far more advanced. And whatever money I had back in those days as a student, I would save everything I would make out of my tips during service so that I can buy wine books. And there was really? no Google in those days. Yeah, we had yeah. to read. We had <laughs> to read off the word. We can't just search. It's it it, it didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's I still have the Amazing. collection of all the, the wine books that I bought over those years. And I remember going to work. I would sit in the bus with my wine book with me. That one hour trip from home to, to the workplace, I would be reading in the bus. Uh, after work, I'll do the same. I was um, I was so absorbed into 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 the subject that uh, it was a natural progression uh, after hotel school, wherever I was working, to make wine as a focus. And came those time when uh, around not around it was in two thousand and three when I got a job in Cape Town in Constantia Valley at the boutique Rolle Chateau Hotel. And what was meant to be a couple of months summer job ended up being six years later. Amazing. And through those years, I managed to grow. I was very lucky to have uh, really good support and did my formal sommelier studies and uh, moved to Johannesburg in 2009 and has been here uh, since then. It's a big wine market here in Johannesburg. Uh, it's a dynamic market. It's fast changing. It's a much younger generation now uh, drinking wine. It is an exciting time to see how the South African wine industry have changed, how the consumerism have changed. And me as a sommelier, uh, to experience firsthand all those changes, and it shows you everything is possible in life when one works hard, when there's passion, and there's a willingness to keep on studying. And it's been a rewarding journey. I'm very grateful for it. And uh, hopefully uh, there's still many, many more years for me to perform in, in, in the industry, to create experience and make memories and discover more wines, not only in South Africa, not only about all the new producers that's coming along uh, from the Cape, but all over the world, it's 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 just getting a bit big in a way that mm. one have to start now choosing uh, yeah. where to focus and what to taste. Otherwise, I won't get any job done. I would only be tasting wine. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to ask: uh, Do you have to taste wine on a daily basis to to get through all I, these wines? I was yes uh, in 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 the last. 12 years or so, I taste every single day. Yeah. Prior to that, I was probably tasting three, four times a week because mm -hmm. we have more and more wines on the market. And also about to understand changes. I want, when I say change, it's not about trends. Changes is about, there are so many aspects. Global warming is influencing the style of wine all over the world. It's making, it's bridging the gap between classic old world European wines to that of the new world. What I mean by this, classic old world European wine used to be quite tight, uh, driven by freshness and structure, very little fruit. Whereas the new world used to be so seductive, fruit driven, gorgeous and appealing on the first impression. Now we're seeing the two parts of the planet, the Northern hemisphere and the Southern hemisphere, producing equally big wine, producing mm -hmm. equally seductive, fruit-forward, colorful wine, softer wine, less aggressive wines. We are seeing how approachable the French wines are. We are seeing how uh, color, dark in color the Spanish wines are, or even the Italian wines are. We are seeing also the opposite, where in the Southern Hemisphere, we are seeing the quest of Winemakers and producers looking for cooler climates, cooler sites, going high, high up in the mountain or seeking continental spots, all 
places as close as possible to the ocean or almost being on the beach. And all these are making subtle changes where if we don't taste daily, when I say tasting daily, it's not about tasting 10, 20 wines. It can be anything from three to five wines. There are so much new releases, samples that get sent, trade tasting events that we get invited. And obviously we cannot attend all of it. There is an expectation from the producer. If we attend a tasting at some point, there should be some sort of listing or some sort of commercial connection. And also because of the long hours we do at work, we can't attend everything. So those days as a sommelier, we cherry pick the events to attend. We look at what are the spot that needs to be refilled, replaced on the wine list, and we try to structure our tasting accordingly and look at it. And yes, the beauty of the wine world is there are always groups of tasting, either with winemakers or with sommeliers. We get together, we bring a bottle as a surprise, we bring something unusual, and it's just fascinating that it helps us to stay on our toes and taste wine accordingly. Yeah. But that sounds so amazing. But if you taste now, for example, a wine and you you get a new wine, uh, what is that process for you? Is it Do you have to be alone or do you sit with other sommeliers or other people to, uh, to uh, uh, have a conversation about the wines? How do you do that? It's a very good question. It's a combination of both. Personally, I prefer to taste on my own. I like the privacy and the silence to taste on my own. Uh, Whereas when tasting in a group, we tend to do it in a very clinical way to start. So there's no discussion at first. So if we have a flight of, let's say, 10 wines, we taste the 10 wines within a certain amount of time, which 10 wines usually is about 15, 20 minutes. We taste it on our own, silence in the room. We make our notes, we make our conclusion, and then we open the floor for discussion. I don't like tasting in a public environment where it's noisy, where it's about socializing. It's also a very fine line where many people think, okay, the role and the job of sommelier is cool because we get to taste a lot of wine. We get to taste, we get to attend a lot of social events. For me, this is not the role of a sommelier because there is it's impossible to make a tasting note. It is impossible to make an objective opinion of a wine in a noisy environment where everyone is saying hello, everyone wants to talk about the wine or they would say to you, oh God, they taste this wine or what do you think of this? No, it's not about this. Because at the end of the day is when making a choice or a selection or a decision on a wine, it has to be done in a way that it benefits the establishment where the sommelier works and it also needs to benefit the producer. There's two ways. Too many people, and I'm not criticizing anyone here, uh, too many people taste wine very subjectively. They look at the label or they look at the price straight away before tasting. They've already made their mind that, oh, this is a great wine because it's expensive or the label look great Mm -hmm. or because they've heard about the producer. It shouldn't be that way. The impartiality and the objectivity of tasting wine is one of the most important aspects of a sommelier today is about being and having the freedom to decide on a particular wine with the story behind, again, the story, or project like the All Vine Project, which is doing an amazing job uh, to raise the profile of brands of Africa. We have so much diversity in this country, and All Vine Project is one of them. The other one, if I'm allowed to mention it here, would be the Chenin Blanc Association, where... It is telling the world the greatness of the country having the most planting of Chenin Blanc in the world. Or think about the growth of sparkling wine around the world. Yes, everyone loves a good champagne or a great champagne. Or for fun, drink Prosecco. Slowly, slowly, we are seeing the emergence of top class, top quality Cup Classic, like what the Cup Classic Association is doing in terms of raising awareness, education, uh, trainings, and it shows that we will never ever be champagne, but Cap Classic can be an equally fine work class bubbly when made in the right hand with the right side, with the right time in the bottle. So all these are super exciting for the future. And it it it, it shows you uh, it is important when one look at wine 
is always to look at one objectively, work within parameters that will create and differentiate and makes things special. So it's it's a cool time. Yeah, it sounds amazing. But it's also, I spoke to a viticulturist, uh, Etienne Yetling in, in France. He's, he's originally uh-huh. from South Africa, but he was saying how uh, the Northern Hemisphere are now looking towards countries like South Africa and Australia because of global warming of how they make wine and 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 how they treat the vineyards so this is interesting now that you're saying that all these initiatives in South Africa are coming up because it's it's almost like it's it's time for people to acknowledge that as well absolutely i believe after 19 years living and working in south africa wine south africa is sitting on a cusp of exploding on the world stage those associations that I mentioned earlier, either it is the Old Vine Project, the Chenin Blanc Association, Sauvignon Blanc or Cap Classic, there are many associations, there's a Chardonnay Forum. Um, they've been in place for many years. They've been working quietly for many years. And we've seen the benefit of those associations, what it has done to the industry in improving consistently the quality of the wine. And now the wines that are being produced in this country, as we know, we've seen through all the leading publications, the wine publications, wine, the respected wine critics, uh, that they are world-class wine and no one talk about South Africa like they would talk about other parts of the world. And yes, yeah. climate change is inspiring many European winemakers and credit must be given to the Australian. They were way ahead of the game in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, to bring virtually over 100 grape varieties from all over the world to try to experiment, to prepare themselves, because they knew it was coming, the climate change, the global warming was coming. And that's why they have their own category of alternatives. They have their own show of alternatives, which we have been slow in this country, in South Africa, to adopt. Yes, we are seeing new varieties like a Gruner Veltliner, Asiatica, or... obscure uh, red variety like Nero Davola from Sicily, all these being planted in the Cape uh, on a small scale to prepare for the future. And and yes, the Australian had 40 years uh, ahead of the game compared to the rest of the world because it has taught their winemakers, be ready for it. And now the world is seeing it. Europe is seeing very hot summers. Uh, or even wet uh, growing season at harvest time. Climate change is real. Climate warming, global warming is real. And there's so much unpredictability out there. And and that's how everyone is learning out of each other. It is harvest time now in the in the Western Cape. If one walk through any of the top wineries, you will have you would see five six different nations of student winemakers, viticulturists, mm-hmm. onologists doing a three month stint, learning, working, uh, making wines with the top South African winemakers, and for them to take home what they what what they've learned here, how they approach. Um, we talk about global warming. I was with a winemaker from Friendship yesterday and they had quite a lot of rain over the weekend. And yesterday we saw quite a lot of top Stellenbosch producers harvesting their Cabernet Sauvignon already two weeks ahead of time, two to three weeks ahead of time. We're still in February. It shows you, it tells you that the reality is there and it's through exchange of information, it's through exchange of experience. And the same applies for us as sommeliers. We are a community where we are interconnected, irrespective of where we are around the world. And we are exchanging a lot of information about, hey, what's cool on the wine list? What might work? What grape variety? What style of wines are doing well with certain type of cuisine? And all those things, it's 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 a it's an it's a dynamic forum out there. And and it is something that we should all be grateful. Ten years ago, we didn't have those platforms, we didn't have those forums to exchange, and whoever is entering the profession now will be in a much more exciting role in 10, 15 years from now. It's a wealth of information as long as one is willing to learn, one is willing to assimilate. The positive side, like any industry, it's how we focus. 
We focus yeah. either on the positive or the negative. We can't be in between. It's 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 for us to make our own judgment and how do we grow from there? And 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 it's 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 a good time to be. Well, it sounds exciting. Your your work sounds so exciting, and um and and I mean you you are learning every day. You have to be knowledgeable. So it's that uh, that um sort of uh, uh what do you say? It's like a like a challenge that you have to to keep up and to keep up with the knowledge. So that's amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. It is amazing indeed, Petra. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. It is a challenge. There are many times I wake up through the night. Happens at two, three in the morning, I, I would wake up and then I would say, gosh, I forgot the laws on a certain wrestling in Germany. Or I forgot really? what the variety would be and what they are doing. And it's things that keep us awake at night. Or I've tasted the wine. Did I make the right note? Did I make the right conclusion? Or was I being hard on the wine that I felt it was not good for this thing? But when actually I should retaste it over a couple of days and see, maybe it will open up, maybe it will change, and maybe it will be a good listing and it will create a good dining memories. So there are well, so have many. You, have you gone back to, to a decision and, and, and changed the decision? It has happened. Not one, oh, really? not two times. It has happened a few times really? where yeah. I would start and I would say, okay, this wine is a no. It's a good wine. Maybe it's good for a wine shop, not good for a wine list and, or everyday drinking. And then I look at it and I was like, okay, let me retaste it. Let me have a fresh eye to it. And let me just relook at it in a different perspective. Added blind to a flight of other wines, not knowing it is. So those days, if a wine is really, I have certain doubt, doubts in it, what I would do is I'll taste over three, four, five days, early in the morning, or and then late before I go, just for me to have a feel of how the wine develops. Wine is a living liquid. Not every wine, when you open the bottle, shows well. Some show very well, but there are certain wines and many wines, depending on the on the way the winemaker intended to make it, the winemaking practice. Some wine can be so closed when it's open and it's unexciting or the tannin are so hard. And we have to look at it today. I'm sure you've heard there is a biodynamic tasting calendar out there, which you can download as an app. It oh, was really? created. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. You have a root day, you have a fruit day, you have a leaf day, you have an earth day. So all of this impact on the senses. If you taste a red wine on a leaf day, the wine will taste green. It will taste vegetal. And that yeah. same wine on a fruit day, would be so exuberant and it would be so sexy. Or on a flower day, there would be the subtle element of flowers that came out if the variety obviously have oh, an yeah. inclination mm -hmm. towards, let's say you're tasting a Viognier or a Syrah or some aromatic variety. Uh, all these have an influence. The phases of the moon uh, have an influence the way we taste. The atmospheric pressure have an influence. When A good example, when we taste wine in Johannesburg, we are one of the highest city in the world. We are tasting wine at very high altitude. We are tasting wine at over a thousand meters. Whereas the same wine when I taste in the Cape at sea level is a completely different wine. The expression of the, of, of the wine, the same wine, same bottling in the glass are completely different. The tasting note, there are subtle differences, sometimes marked differences. So these are things that one have to wait and measure in such a way that it's 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 there. Yeah. Well, I and it's interesting that you say that, and I'm not, um, I mean, not so knowledgeable in wine, but I remember drinking a wine in the UK, a South African wine, and it it tasted different than than I, when I had it in South Africa. And I thought the wine was, you know, there was something done to the wine. But now sure. you're saying it could be that it it's just, it tastes different in a different country. Absolutely. It could be okay. um, if one, let's say, had a bad morning, there's a bit of anger, there's a bit of frustration. 
the, the, the structure in our mouth change. Okay. That mm. same wine could be perceived as being very hard or very acidic or bitter. Mm. Whereas we had a very good afternoon. We've listened to some great music, favorite music whilst driving. There are some good memories. That bottle of wine will taste exceptionally good really? on the first sip. Mm-hmm. So it all has to do with the context. It all has to do with the surrounding environment. And it all has to do also what you've eaten prior. Mm-hmm. You might have had a chingon. You might have had an acidic fruit or a green apple before tasting a red wine. All these change the structure. There's always the old trick you've seen in, in French wine shops where they always have some cheese on the side or some salami on the side that they always offer. It's not the generosity of sharing those things. It makes the wine taste better. Oh, I see. Okay. Maybe that's why when we're in love, then a wine tastes so nice. <laughs> Absolutely, because there you are over the moon. The, the brain is thinking differently. The endorphins are there. Yeah. And it's, the serotonin is, is all crazy piling up of course the wine will taste great the company is there so all this you add together it makes it makes the changes so environment is important the atmosphere is important and all this we have to take into context that's why when one look at dining in a restaurant it is so important if we look at the top places of the world those that have stood the test of time they might be the oldest places in many parts of europe that they've been built in the 14th 15th century they're still serving food today. You go there, it's like a, a temple. You're enjoying the wines, the food. It's the whole ambience, the whole atmosphere. It's like a theater. Oh, yeah. Everything comes together. Mm. And That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. It's like take a bottle of rosé, go on the beach at sunset, and drink it. It tastes different. Listening yeah. to the waves, looking at the sun going down, having an ice-cold glass of rosé, there is nothing more romantic or more magical and special to share that bottle with someone close to you or even on your own. It's it's, And that same bottle will taste different if you have to drink it in a little bistro with, oh, with yeah, a burger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this sounds amazing. I, I, I want that romantic rosé. <laughs> One day <laughs> on the beach in South Africa. That's, yeah, yeah. You must do it. You know, it's, we always say something about wine. Wine is about the emotion. How do you get transported by the emotion of the sip, of the sip, of the sip? And, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Miguel, this is so interesting talking to you. And um, But Thank I you. want to know now your wish what is your wish now for the future my wish for the future is to continue performing at the top end level of my profession keep on learning keep on formalizing my 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 education it's a never-ending game keep challenging myself to be better and keep delivering great wine experience either here in south africa or wherever the future will take me it's about creating that magic wherever I will be associated with. It's about being like a gospel of the wine industry. It's like being, I won't use the word a preacher, but I would say there is so much one can do with experience for the young generation entering the industry, embracing somebody as a carrier, learning about wine. It's for us to take their hand and show them the right direction. It's a big, wide world out there. My aim is to stay at the the end, at the top, top end of the game, as long as I'm on this planet, having as much fun as possible with great company, great people, discovering, traveling the world of wines and contributing to the industry. At the end of the day, what we contribute to the industry come back to us by selling better wine, creating more memories and sommeliers, winemaker, wine owners, winery owners, we all work together. We may sit on two different sides of the fence, but we need each other. We need each other to create the memories. We need personalities like you to interview us, to give us a platform and opportunity to voice uh, what we do right and what we can do 
better or what are the concerns. And that I am thankful and thank you for, for having me today. And all those brain and questions, I was nervous. I was anxious. Really? When you sent me the meeting request, I was like, gosh, okay, you haven't given me an agenda. What will it be? <laughs> I've seen some of your posts. I was like, okay, there's very little about wine, but there are something there. Okay, yeah. let me not think too much because you never know. It's a recorded yeah. conversation. So many things wrong can be said, and you can't take it back. And it's yeah. it's it's a very fine line. <laughs> exactly. But but you are so you talk so inspirationally, and really I think yeah. it's so interesting how you talk about the wines. And this is what this whole project of mine is about, is people talking about this, these different I, I call it art forms because it really is and that we start also looking into what people do because you can only appreciate when you understand. And I think this is also, it's with music, it's with dancing, it's with, with food. You know, I've, I've spoken to chefs as well. And you yeah. all have the same, you all have the same paths. You know, it's all about that. Yes. You You talk about, it was the vineyard that you saw, you know, for a cellist, it was the sound of the cello that they heard. You know, one cellist told me that he was on at a science experiment and he heard the sound of the cello. And it's all these things. And then you bring that all together. And then it, this is inspirational. When you are inspired, you inspire as well. And I think this is why I feel it also and, and and I've also spoken to people from the old vine project for example because yeah. this is also something that not many people know about but that the moment we start talking about and give insight about what's happening then you can start appreciating you know absolutely so, yeah. inspiration is everything but I believe mm-hmm. the most important aspect in any of the of the of the areas you mentioned, either it is food, it's art, it's travel, it's 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 wine, it's passion. It's the heart. Exactly. In it. Exactly. It's about the passion. Yeah. And passion can only be alive when there's emotion. And yeah. that's what great wine gives. Great wines transport you to a place, it gives you the emotion, and it talks straight away to your passion about what you are looking in life. And all this. It's art driven. Yeah. Simpler yeah. as that. Yeah. 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 Miguel, I'm I'm coming to Santon to meet you in person one day. I Definitely. look forward to welcome you in Santon. <laughs> I look forward to so share much. many great South African wine with you and show you the South African hospitality, the Savinson hospitality, and come and enjoy what it is to be in the big smoke. Thank and you so much. We call it I'm the coming. big smoke. It's not really the, the nicest word to describe Johannesburg, but yeah. we look forward, me and the team, to welcome you. you to the big smoke. Come and discover some great wines with us and some great cuisine. And yes, there's many art galleries here in Johannesburg, something that no one talk a lot about. Uh, there are many, many, many beautiful parts where there are, are art galleries. So these are things that are all together. And yeah. you have an open invite. It's permanent i look thank forward you so to hearing from you better and, <laughs> and 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 thank you once again for the opportunity to talk to you and the wonderful questions that you've asked and and everything else thank you so much miguel it was my privilege thank you thank you have a wonderful have day have a good afternoon bye-bye and see you soon bye take care bye-bye.